Welcome to the Happy Tans Podcast, where you will learn everything you need to know about running a successful sunless tanning business. We will interview some of the industry's top business owners to find out how they took a passion and turned it into a prosperous business. And here's your host, Grant Conscious. What's up, Happy Tanners? Thank you so much for joining us on episode 104 of the Happy Tans Podcast. Today's episode, we have Mally Harrington from Mally Harrington Beauty. She was actually recommended to me by two separate guests that I've already had on the show, so I'm super excited to share this episode with you. She actually started in the makeup industry and within the last year has gotten really involved in the spray tanning industry as she has transitioned to that after a bad experience that she had back when she went to get a spray tan. So this is a great story for any of you who are looking to be inspired and find ways to connect. She really puts a lot of emphasis on networking and how those connections in her local community have helped grow her business. She's got a huge following on Instagram, has done a great job promoting herself and her business, and is now just really focusing more on spray tan than the makeup, which is a great transition for her. She's really loving it and enjoying it, but she's had over a decade of experience in the beauty industry, Shares a lot of great information, including what it was like to work for one of the larger companies in the industry, what she learned from them. It was surprising. Actually, I had never heard of this, so make sure you tune in to learn that. Uh, Thank you so much, Mally, for sharing your story. I'm excited to have met you, excited to follow you and watch you continue to grow in this industry. Hopefully, we get to meet up someday as well. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And as always, the Happy Tans Podcast is sponsored by the Happy Tans Website Builder, The first and the only website builder created specifically for the sunless tanning industry. Not only do our websites look great, but they help you grow your business. They help you be found. The websites are not just there to be a brochure website to sit there and look pretty, although they do look pretty. They're actually there to help you be found through online search such as Google and other search engines. We optimize the website out of the box so that you can be found locally and you can grow your business. We've been doing it for over seven years now. I've worked with with hundreds of thousands of of spray tan artists. We're excited to help you as well. Feel free to reach out with any questions. Grant at happytans.com. Come check us out at happytans.com forward slash website. You can get started today. Use the the code podcast to get the first month for only a dollar. We're here to support you. We're always here to help. Thank you so much again for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day. Make sure you share this out with other people. We want to reach as many people as we can. Have a great day and happy tanning. Hello and welcome to the Happy Tans Podcast. On today's episode, we have Mally Harrington from Mally Harrington Beauty in Clarksville, Tennessee. How are you doing today, Mally? I'm good. How are you, Grant? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I like your name. It's very unique. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Well, let me, uh, I would love to uh, open the floor for a second for you to take some time to introduce yourself. I was introduced to you from Audrey, um, which is awesome. Yeah, she was one of our previous guests and she introduced me to you. So super excited to meet you and I'm excited, even more excited to learn your story. So let me open the floor for a second, share your journey through the beauty industry here and where you are today. For sure. So like you said, I'm Mally Harrington. Um, I was, um, I got licensed as an esthetician 10 years ago and started just right out the gates doing makeup only. Um, Makeup and like anything that makes you feel pretty is pretty much my passion. (laughs) About a year ago, I decided to jump into spray tanning after having kind of a a bad experience years Mm -hmm. prior spray tanning. Um, 
I am a plus size woman. So having a spray tan artist that's plus size was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. And when I found one, I decided to become one. And it's just kind of taken off from there. I specialize in plus size spray tanning and bridal beauty now. Um, and it's just been so much fun getting to serve my community in that way. Yeah, that's it's it's interesting what drives people to start. Well, you were already in business, but to drive them or push them to a different direction, right? So you're like, this is an underserved opportunity. You know, everybody needs to be included. And it's hard. I think it's hard. And some people have mentioned that, you know, if you have somebody that's, you know, a little bit more fit, other people might not be comfortable and vice versa. And obviously, everybody should hopefully feel comfortable and people do as much as they can to make people feel comfortable. But there's ultimately just sometimes that disconnect. Yes, for sure. And that's kind of what I, I wanted to fill that gap because it's like there weren't hardly any plus size spray tanners, at least in my area. Um, And I know from feedback that I've gotten from clients are like, I feel so much more comfortable going to someone who has my body type. And Mm. that's not to say that I don't spray tan everyone I do, but it's been really fun getting to do that for people, for people who've never gotten one because they're too scared to get a spray tan. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. To I mean, everybody should be included. They should be comfortable. Uh, but obviously, it's challenging to make people feel that way. But, uh, you know, being that you can speak directly to them, and like you said, it's just a level of comfort that they have with you, which is amazing, because everybody should be able to experience this. And, and to think that people won't simply because of that is is hard, uh, probably hard for people to understand, but it, it makes complete sense. You want to feel comfortable. Um, and we usually feel most comfortable around people that are more like you. So it makes sense. Amen. Totally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So for you getting into the beauty industry, was that just something you always wanted to do? It actually wasn't. Um, okay. I, my mom was a makeup artist growing up and I, um, growing up had psoriasis. So it's something that a lot of spray tanners deal with too. Um, I was mortified by my skin. I had like the craziest rashes on my face and that kind of drove me to become a makeup artist in high school, but I really wanted to be a teacher. Mm. Um, was told that I like wasn't smart enough to be a teacher by someone that worked at my school. So makeup just kind of fell into my lap after knowing that I was good at it from mm-hmm. covering my psoriasis scarring my whole life. Um, but it was not something that if you would have told 10 year old Mally that she'd be doing, I'd be like, there's no way. There's absolutely no way. So <laughs> It just kind of fell into my lap more than anything. Right, right. That's often how these things happen. You know, you kind of stumble upon your passion uh, in ways that you don't expect, or it's maybe it's there the whole time and you're like kind of pushing it away or shield. maybe you were shielding it because your mom did it. You're like, I can't follow the same footsteps, right? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, which, which, yeah, I get it. People want to go their own route, set their own, you know, create their own path, so on and so forth. But nevertheless, you're here, you're still, you're still creating your own path. You're still finding your own journey. It's just a different different uh, situation and scenario. So you kind of stumbled into it because uh, somebody told you you weren't smart enough to be a teacher, which sounds absurd for somebody <laughs> to say that. Um, right. I don't, I don't want to know what was going on in their lives to put people down like that, but that's okay. Uh, uh, but you know, some of that stuff's a reflection probably of them more so than you, but um, yeah, so we, you stumble into the beauty industry and then what did that look like for you? Were you working for yourself? Were you working at a location? How did that happen? So like I said before, I got my esthetician's license right out of high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't really want to work in the spa industry. I didn't want to do that. I knew I didn't want to do like freelance stuff yet. Um, 
and I don't know if we can say this in the podcast or not, but I, I worked for Sephora. Yeah, that's fine. We did that? Okay. So, <laughs> I don't know though, like with like name brands and stuff like that. <laughs> um, so I worked for Sephora right out of beauty school and I absolutely loved it. It yeah. seriously helped me get my foot through the door. All the training that they give you is insane. And just learning how to speak with customers and with people that training was invaluable to me. And I think that's what's helped me stand out is that I've had all that training. Mm. Um, I feel like Sephora, you know, they teach you a lot of the, the artistry stuff with the beauty industry, but a huge portion of what they teach you is how to speak to people, how wow. to create connection, how to create conversation. And that's kind of been the one thing that I'm most passionate about in this, in this um, industry is that piece of like just speaking with people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked for them for three years and then just wanted something new, wanted change. So I became a freelance artist right after that. Okay. And you, so what that, first off, I want to put a pin in that point you talked about. It was interesting to hear, you know, to look at these larger companies, like a Sephora to hear what they're doing to make their business successful. Obviously they don't get there by accident. They're not focused on the, the cheapest products. You know, they're not focused on X, Y, and Z, but they're focused on, how to properly speak to the customer. And the reason I want to put a pin in that is because I think as somebody that's creating a business that actually wants to have employees, wants to grow multiple locations, et cetera, they can take a lot away from that because that, that speaks to a company that's, I don't know, worth, I'm sure billions and billions of dollars that they're putting so much time and energy into training those people to properly speak to the clients. And I think that anybody you bring on, you know, whether they've been in the customer service industry or not, they can learn a lot from, from that. And you could, teach people how to kind of have the, I mean, obviously they've got it down to a science. It sounds like. I would say the majority of our training when you work at Sephora is how, just how to speak to people in general, like not even the customer service aspect of it. That's a huge part of it, but like asking people how their day is and complimenting them and making them feel welcomed. And that's something that you don't really hear a lot of companies doing, especially at that scale. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what shocked me when you said that. I was kind of interested to how, I mean, how much how difficult that would be to dial like to build that into where you could train anybody to be that easy to you know conversate with other people. Uh, so that's very very interesting. So they would would you have a lot of role play type stuff? Is that how they would do it? Yes. Yeah, so I worked for a Sephora store that was just opening. Um, so I was part of the new opening team, and. I swear we probably did three hours a day of just us pretending like we were customers and we would, ha- we would throw the craziest stuff at each other. We'd be like, okay, so customer that I want this, 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 and this. And we'd have to like find scenarios and stuff and we'd have to do de-escalation and, and just making people feel comfortable. And that has helped me so much in my business now. Like now that I'm removed from that six or seven years, I can look back and say, that's crazy how that has mm. been something that's totally shaped my business today yeah and shaped you and all that yeah it's crazy how that happens and to think I mean it's one of those things where like uh even people that go through spray tan trainings and certifications like you can only learn so much before you just have to do it right and you got like you said three hours a day of like you wouldn't learn you could read all the information about how to have a conversation but until you do it and get put in those situations where somebody says something and you're taken back or whatever it is right yeah right. you you got to be in the situation. So you stepped out on your own, decided to do the freelance thing. So were you still working in addition to, or did you completely leave? I just, I just bit the bullet. 
Um, I do have kind of a weird story in terms of that too. I ended up going back to college. Okay. All of that too, to fulfill the teacher dream. <laughs> and um, when I realized that my heart just kept going back to beauty, just kept going back. <laughs> That's okay. Bosco, come here, come here. <laughs> we live in a new build neighborhood and they're building the houses. Okay. And Bosco, come here, come here, lay down. Um, sorry. That's okay. This was going to happen. Okay. He's good now. Um, but there was, school. Yeah. there was something that every time I would take a little break from the beauty world, mm -hmm. I would always come back and it would always circle back around. Something would just fall into my lap where I felt compelled to go back into it. So mm -hmm. even though I was in college, I was still doing makeup every weekend. I was still taking classes. I was still doing all of that stuff. Um, and same thing when I moved to Clarksville, it was like, I could either work in a school or I could be a makeup artist and maybe add another service to my list and see what happens. And I tried both and it's no secret that there's like no money in working in a school. <laughs> yeah. So I do like that. I have full control over what I make. Mm -hmm. If I'm not doing the things that I know I need to do with marketing or with putting myself out there, I'm in control of my paycheck. I give myself a raise, not a school system. If yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's one of the beautiful things about owning your own business. I mean, it's good and bad, right? Depending on what side of the coin you're on there, but the effort equals the output. You're not in control. It's not a 10 year thing. It's not once a year with some, you know, 2.5%. I mean, I worked in corporate it was a 2.5% cap, whatever, whatever. Yeah. And when you look at, uh, without getting too technical, inflation is average 2% per year. You're like, that's not even a raise. It's like literally nothing. So, uh, you know, that, that stuff is what it is, but people that want to go on their own, uh, you obviously have to create that path. Like I said, input, uh, you know, whatever you put in, you're going to get out of it. You put in the effort. Uh, we sent, I sent out an email this past week, um, the week that we're recording this, at least about the compound effect and the effort of little things stacking on top of one another, networking with people, et cetera. And then when you look back in a year, all those connections equal what, you know, so, but taking those steps is the hardest part. So uh, what, what do you find is um, easiest for you to do? Like uh, as far as your business and marketing, uh, is it networking? What part of it would you say is easiest for you? I am such an in-person person. So I love the social media aspect of it. I'm very big into social media, but I love to go into local businesses and just introduce myself, mm. talk about what I'm doing. Um, I was at a coffee shop the other day. The owner came out and asked how my experience was. And I immediately was like, come get a spray tan from me. Like, that's just how I've always been. Um, the social media aspect is, it comes very easy to me, but I just love the results of putting yourself out there in more of like an in-person way. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that makes sense. So I like that you kind of go with what you're comfortable with, right? Don't, don't go against the grain, just kind of go with it, whatever works, uh, you know, whatever's easiest for you, make sure you capitalize on that. And definitely with, I mean, obviously your Instagram, I think you have like 13,000 something followers, which is amazing. That's a ton of everybody would probably be jealous to hear that number, <laughs> especially in the tanning industry. It's very hard to do. Um, so yeah, that, that's a great thing to capitalize on. Do you have like, what, what do you find? Uh, you said it comes natural to you, but what part of that drove the growth of that the most? 
I think a lot of it for me has come down to word of mouth. So when I go to these in, in-person things where I say, oh, like, love coming to your business. Here's my information. Here's my come. I feel like what's happened then is that that person has told another business owner, has told another business owner, they've told their friends. And it's like this word of mouth type of thing. Um, I I do, I do tell people all the time, like having a lot of followers is great and it's awesome, but you can't just rely on having all those followers. It's more about creating connections. And so I think the connections are really what have driven me to get to that point. Okay. So if you had to say which one would be more beneficial for your business, you would say the in-person connections over the Instagram followers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I mean, yeah, like you said, and, and everybody's different, right? Every, uh, demographic geographic area where you are is different some people derive their whole business from a free you know social platform which is great but those in-person connections are amazing and when I think of these connections that you have with people I I literally visualize like a tree as in like one person is a tree and they have all these branches right and this other person is the same way and eventually some of those might cross but you know that's just a way to think of each person you connect with, it kind of comes back to that compound effect of like each person you connect with has so many other connections. Even if you look at their social media page, right? You might add somebody as a friend, you have three mutual friends, but I don't know, 900 friends that aren't mutual. So you're like, look at all the opportunity from one person and then yes. just, just multiply that. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to connect with people. Um, and do you, when you connect with these people, I think a lot of people struggle with this is, uh, are you trying to initially do something for them? to help like build that rapport, you know, as, as far as like you, I don't go to somebody immediately with my hands out, like, Hey, what can, what can, <laughs> so I'm more curious how you do that. Yeah. So most of the time it, for me, it's all about just seeing like to local business in my area, you know, obviously they want, how do I explain this? It's like, they want publicity too. Mm-hmm. I'm posting about them on social media. I never go into it saying like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. By the way, I do spray tans. Like mm-hmm. it's never that. It's more of like a natural, like what are things that you can help me with and I can help you with simultaneously? Um, the conversation flows a lot more natural in person for me, honestly. I feel like I come at it in a way of like, can I help you? Like, can I post about you on Instagram? Like, I'd love to share, like I'd love to bring family here when they yeah. come in town. I'd love to, you know, I'm more about the helping aspect and then saying, Oh, by the way, if you ever have an event, you need makeup or a spray tan for, just let me know, like follow me on Instagram. Let me know how I can help you. But yeah, I'm definitely more of like, let me know how I can help you and not, Hey, can I spray tan you by the way? Yeah. 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 Which is important. I mean, everybody, like when you're initially, especially when you're starting out, like you want to grow your business as fast as possible. So the easiest path to that is, Hey, I do this service not to think the other way around that, like this connection I make with this person might get me a new client in eight months. Right. But whatever, it's going to come. But I think it's great when it's, you know, win, 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 because obviously the, the clients would win as well, but you're um, de- you're definitely want to go in with how can I help these people? You know, you can offer them exposure, you can add their business card to your place, whatever that looks like. Right. So that's a, that's a great thing to, to think about. So for your journey now, you said six or seven years you've been on your own. Yeah. So I would say more of like the better part of three years Okay. on and off, like working in schools, working with Mm -hmm. kids, 
and then also doing it. But I would say probably three or four years now it's been. Okay. So you've done the last three or four years on your own uh, from a freelance makeup to obviously you got into the tanning industry, but during that time, obviously you've had some ups and downs, I'm sure in your business, it's challenging. Uh, I like to, you know, we call it the entrepreneurial roller coaster, but I'd like to touch on what's been the most challenging moment in your business so far, because I like to make it relatable. People are going to go through these things. Um, and then on the flip side, we'll look at what's been the best moment so far. Yeah. The hardest part for me was starting over. Yeah. Um, so my husband was in the army and, um, I had to move away from my hometown. I had to move away from everything that was comfortable to me and start over from scratch. Mm. And like I said, um, I was kind of in the crossroads of, do I work in a school because it's comfortable or do I try something and maybe see if it sticks to the wall, maybe see what happens. And so starting over as an art wife is like excruciating because mm. you're in this new place where you've probably never been to in your entire life. Um, you know, literally no one. It's not like you're moving to like somewhere where you have friends and family there, you know, no one. Yeah. And um, so that was really hard for me at first to kind of get my foot in the door. Um, but adversely, I think the best moments of my business have been meeting like those one or two people that have been in the business community here mm. been able to help me grow my business. Um, we have a ton of Facebook groups here in my area mm -hmm. of people just saying, Hey, like I need this service done. Does anyone know of a girl that does this? That's been great to meet with those people. And I would say seeing the growth has been the best part of my business so far. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know we've had a couple of people on that are military wives have gone through the same thing. I'm thinking Stephanie Pierce that relocated from Hawaii to DC now she's mm -hmm. crushing it up there. Um, it's obviously super challenging. What, what outside of the connections, was there anything else that helped you kind of launch, like relaunch in the new community? I honestly, I mean, I do, I, I think the connections for me, yeah. I know that's kind of hard. It, it doesn't, it doesn't come as easy for a lot of people. I'm not mm -hmm. going to say like it's the easiest thing in the world there's nothing else that I can think of other than just building connections that yeah. is really I mean yeah the marketing is great I love making social media posts I love <laughs> on social media but like for me personally I don't think that there's much outside of that mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah it does make sense I mean once you the fastest way I mean even if you're starting in a place you're already living, especially if you relocate is to get em embed yourself in that community. Like you said, the, the other business owners, the Facebook groups, I'm just thinking like my wife's in like a local mom's group here. There's like 9,000 wives. And like literally you have to be referred by somebody else and you have to be, live in the community. They have all these stipulations. And but that's like 9,000, like people ask questions all the time. It's 9,000 people just in that one group so you know getting in those communities and there's tons of different groups and all those facebook and and stuff uh, obviously opens that door for you but getting out and meeting people no matter how hard it is which i can relate to because i'm an introvert uh it's hard for me sometimes in person and when i have an in-person event or something i feel like exhausted afterwards you know versus like somebody that's an extrovert that's like amped up after it's over so <laughs> i get that it's hard but i think doing the uncomfortable things gives you the most growth, even if it comes naturally to you, it's still a little uncomfortable, I feel like for people. Uh, but those uncomfortable things ultimately push you forward and doing the 
the hard thing is usually the right thing, right? So when you think yeah. your mind, when your mind automatically pushes back, at least for me, I think about that, like, oh, now I'm, I'm going to do that then because my mind wants to go the easy route. They want your mind naturally wants to save, make you safe, be easy. So yeah, <laughs> it's hard to do. Even with me being an extrovert and like really just focusing on connections, it doesn't always come easy. I mean, it comes easy for me, but it also feels awkward sometimes. Yeah. Because it's like, how will the other person perceive this? I've definitely been on the end where the people that I've tried to make connections with, and not even just to get business, but just genuinely make connections with, they're not super connected people. And so I've had to learn like, okay, reel it in because you're, you're a little over the top when you're meeting someone for the first time, like you get excited, mm-hmm. not that way. Um, so it does get hard every now and then, but yeah. I do think it, your personality type does play a huge role into it. Yeah. And- yeah. And everybody needs to feed into that, whatever's easiest for them. If you're an online person, you know, start there at least. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's important to get uncomfortable, especially if you're going to be a business owner, because there's gonna be a lot of those situations where you're going to have challenging uh, situation and you got to be able to handle it, whatever it is, or, or go to that, that meeting or that business owner's event or whatever it looks like, right. You got to do it. You got to take the steps, steps out of it. So you were in the, the business uh, decided to add spray tanning and how has that gone? You said like a year ago, you brought in spray tanning. Yep. A year ago. And I couldn't imagine now not spray tanning. Like, I don't even know what life was like before spray tanning. Um, I was known for being a makeup artist in my area, but now it's like, Oh, you're the spray tan girl. Like mm. people been recognizing me anymore as the makeup girl. They're like, Oh, you're the girl with the spray tans too. Um, <laughs> It's been so much more fun, in my opinion. I I just love how doing makeup and making people feel pretty is great, but they take that off at the end of the day. Spray tans, it's something where you have this confidence and people don't know why you have the confidence because they're not looking at you like, oh, she's got a spray tan. And I think it's once you have that client that's like, this is amazing, they're hooked, you're you're set. You're good to go. Yeah. Yeah, too. That's a good point. Yeah, makeup does come off. That's a, that's a lot of effort. I can imagine as a makeup artist to see that. Uh, so when you were doing the uh, makeup specifically, was it focused on um, event like weddings, or were you just every everyday kind of stuff? Or I do primarily bridal makeup. Okay. Um, I do like makeup for photo shoots. Makeup for like we have military balls here. It seems like every month. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll do that kind of stuff. But my main focus has always been bridal. Okay, and for the bridal part. Is that, again, go back to connections? Yeah. So what happens most of the time is I'll book one wedding and then that bride's friend is getting married or that bride has a bridesmaid that's getting married next year. It's It always seems like every wedding I book another wedding at the wedding because okay. it's just all about word of mouth. Um, yeah, someone can find you social media and people do that all the time they're like oh yeah I was searching Nashville bridal makeup and you came up um so that's I always tell people hashtags with social media for sure because people are looking at them um but I would say nine out of ten of my brides are either past bridesmaids or friend of a bride that I had before wow so that I mean it shows the value of nurturing those relationships right it's crazy when you think about that um, that it could be two years down the road, three years down the road when they get married. And outside of the, obviously the hashtags are a great uh, point for people to think about. 
which hopefully they can capitalize on that. But outside of that, is there any connections to certain business owners or businesses in the wedding industry that feed you business? Yes. Yes. Okay. So um, big thing that we do here in my area is um, styled shoots. Mm. So basically just a bunch of vendors getting together. It's usually spearheaded by a photographer and we basically plan a fake wedding. So there's a fake bride, a fake groom, um, there's fake cake, there's fake everything. And we all get together and do a photo shoot. And I've gotten so much business just from the styled shoots too, um, with spray tanning and with makeup. Cause I'll do the spray tan a few days before then do the makeup. And we all give each other credit when we post the pictures, credit when we post the reels that, um, and that's been huge for me too, to connect with other vendors in the area. Yeah. So that's, again, goes back to connecting with the vendors there, right? The yep. photographers, those kind of things. Uh, so that's great. And, as, and speaking of Stephanie, again, I know she posted when our last interview we had, I don't remember what episode it was. She talked about getting in with the photographers because that's one thing she did when she relocated. So that's huge. And especially when you're talking about the, obviously the wedding and the bridal side of things for makeup or spray tanning, no matter, or hair, whatever, anybody that's listening, whatever you do to get into that side of things. That's huge. Obviously the military balls, all that stuff makes sense. Yeah. Makes sense as well. Um, so the connections is that like, we usually, I usually like to ask about what's the number one thing that's brought the most business to you. I'm assuming your answer would be the connections you've made. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. So I, that, I, which I think is a great thing. Cause I think a lot of people um, nowadays, right. It's just so easy to do everything from your phone, from online, right behind the screen. But at the end of the day, going back and shaking people's hands, nothing really beats that, you know, um, definitely meeting people in person uh, is, is the best, best way, I think, to uh, ultimately, uh, like really embed yourself in the local community, which as a small business, you have to do, I think, uh, and it just helps spread everything. So for you, Mally, what, how has things changed for your business from when you started? I'm assuming maybe there was more sporadic events back then. Now it's more, you know, because tanning could be a weekly, bi-weekly thing, whereas makeup is a, you know, have a two events a month or three events a month. Right. I would say the biggest change, and I know I've been focusing a lot on connections and talking about meeting people in person that has stayed consistent for me since day one. I would say the biggest thing is the role that social media has played. Um, so I was just talking with another beauty professional friend a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how, like when we first started out in the beauty industry, you didn't get clients from social media. Social media was for like posting pictures of your dog and like seeing your aunt that lives two hours away. Like it was not about, business and now social media has become such a business oriented place mm. that like even if you don't have a business you're probably selling something on social media without even realizing it like you're posting your favorite starbucks drink and telling everyone to go get it same thing now with social media it's like you you want people to how do i explain this it's like before I wasn't using social media for that, but now my whole social media is just business. And it's all about how can I optimize this post? How can I factor in SEO to this? How can I do this? But if you would have asked me 10 years ago, what SEO was, I would have been like, what does that mean? Like, I don't, I don't know what that means, but now it's such a huge factor in my business. It is something that I think about all day and night. It's something that I work hard to do. Because those connections in person can't always happen, especially with the past few years that we've been going through with COVID. Um, yeah. So 
it just exploded from that point. So that's yeah. been the. Yeah. And what, for those uh, posts, I guess, to give some people some advice, what is the, what have you found recently? It's always changing algorithm updates. What has been the most effective, um, like attention grabbing uh, things on, I guess I'm assuming Instagram, but what's, what's been the best way for you? Educational posts. Mm. Um, I think a lot of clients, they see those posts. Like I have clients come in all the time. And they're like, okay, so I saw your TikTok the other day and I saw like you talked about, I shouldn't have a sun or I, I shouldn't have a sunburn. Um, so I made sure to really put on SPF when I went to the lake this weekend, like the educational posts, I think are what people see. And they're like, that's super helpful, but also just the humanizing part. I, I think a lot of times business owners think they have to be like just about their business. They have to mm -hmm. just post like their picture has to be their logo and everything has to be all about their business. Mm -hmm. But when I post like a stupid TikTok about me and my friends. Those are the ones that are like, oh my gosh, I saw your TikTok. You guys are so cute. Can I get a spray tan? <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Humanizing yourself and letting people know you're not just a business owner, you're a human being. Right. That's going to get people in too. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest brands nowadays, they're driven by uh, an individual person. You know, I'm thinking about the. Uh, I don't know one of the Kardashians. I don't know the Kardashians, but one of them had that beauty, right? Her own beauty brand and sold it for a billion dollars, whatever. Like, people related with her, not with some faceless brand. Uh, right. But even as, on a small scale, small business, as a small business owner, obviously in the industry, being uh, open to who you are, showing people who you are, people relate to you. Uh, you know, even things uh, people, uh, at least on YouTube, they said as far as their like algorithm goes and some tests that the unprofessional videos shot on a phone ranked higher than ones that were professionally done. Like people want to see more natural. It doesn't have to be perfect, you know, and it's hard for people. I think when they're starting their business to feel comfortable with that, uh, that, Oh, my, you know, hair's not perfect. Makeup's not perfect. My spray tan's not perfect. All these different things to stop yourself from doing it. But at the end of the day, those, those uh, vulnerable, probably more authentic posts would probably drive much more traffic and business than the flip side. Yeah. Yeah. I make it a point to get on my stories all the time with like no makeup, hair up, wearing sweatpants, chilling with my dog on the couch. I make it a point to do that stuff because I think also people need to see a version of you that isn't the perfectly done up, perfect hair, perfect outfit. Like that is intimidating. Whereas just like stories and saying like, oh yeah, today I have a spray tan and, you know, talking about your life. It gives people <laughs> Boski, come here, come here, come here. He can join Sorry. us for the podcast. <laughs> no, I don't care. He's how how dare they build a house? How dare they? I get it. This is the stuff that I show though all the time. When he that's asks awesome. Person. Um, but I think that's it's very important to humanize yourself to get yeah. people. Yeah, I think it comes back to the, I mean the initial conversation we had about you doing the the plus size thing is like you like taking down the walls that like people are vulnerable to it's the same thing like oh Mally doesn't like her makeup's not flawless every day all the time blah 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 you know people want to relate to that they don't want to be intimidated like you said that's a good way to say it yeah 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 that's definitely true so when you decided to break off into the tanning industry what did that look like for you was it google search let's find a machine let's find the stuff and get going or how did that work I had a 
pretty good. So there um, was a local spray tanner in the area that she had spray tanned me before. Loved my experience. Um, and she was really wanting to break into the training aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was kind of thinking about it for a few years. It was either between that and doing lashes. Mm-hmm. There's a million and five lash girls here in Clarksville. I didn't need to get into the lash industry. But um, tanning, like I said, I kept going back to that story of when I had a spray 10 years ago and had a really negative experience. And so um, she was like, yeah, I'd love to train you. Like, however you want to do it. She showed me how to get the kit. She ordered it for me. Um, And then a month later, I was in business. Wow. So you just jumped in, did the training and jumped right into it? Yep, pretty much. <laughs> That's awesome. There was the first people you sprayed friends, family, maybe your husband? Uh, friends. <laughs> I had two friends and I will never forget their spray tan was dripping off their body. Oh, yeah. It looked absolutely insane. Like I would tell them, don't tell people you got a spray tan from me. <laughs> this is like embarrassing. <laughs> um, but one friend, she also had psoriasis. And so she had like, I didn't know how to spray tan someone with psoriasis yet, even though I had psoriasis myself. And she had like these patches all over her body. And I was like, oh my gosh, I don't know. I like totally messed her spray tan up. I'm so sorry. Um, so I was like literally telling them, don't tell anybody. <laughs> but my very first true client um, is actually one of my best friends now. Um, she just found out about me from someone that said, oh, I think Mally, that girl that does makeup, I think she's starting to do spray tans. <laughs> and um So she texted me and she's like, Hey, I got your number. And I had my notes out in front of me. I'm like sitting spray tanner. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have you do this pose really quick. And I'm like, this is so unprofessional. She's a hairstylist. So she's probably like, what the heck is she doing? (laughs) Uh, But she's one of my best friends. We, we just got back from vacation together. We work in the salon now. She got me into her salon. Um, It's, it's just funny how everything's kind of happened from there. Yeah, that is funny. But again, it comes back to connections for the first client. I always like to ask how you got the first client. So you answered that. Um, It's great to hear that, you know, the initial client, the first step is the hardest, I feel like. So getting that first client is the hardest and then it gets easier. I feel like at least the training uh, went well, but then when you do it in person, I mean, when you do it yourself, it's completely different, especially when you're alone, especially when you get that first part where it starts running or dripping or the people are sweating, right? Um, Those things always, always make you sweat. Um, So the psoriasis thing, I'm curious, how do you, how do you handle I mean, I think a lot of people have issues with that still. So what do you find the best way to to spread? I mean, obviously you can't give a demo, but what's the best way you find? Right. Um, So for me, it took a lot of practice on myself because like I said, I have psoriasis too. Um, I always put barrier cream on like any open, mm. oh, like active breakouts. Um, and then I am a big advocate for using CBD in spray tans, especially if someone has psoriasis, eczema, sensitive skin. I've had clients that are like, I've never had such a good spray tan that has felt good on my skin. Mm. Um, those are like my two biggest tips. I also take brushes and will kind of blend out. But that first spray tan with the psoriasis was absolutely insane so that's one of the biggest pieces of advice I give to new spray tan artists is you have to make those mistakes you have to learn okay the spray tan looked absolutely crazy on her patches what can I do and then go from there yeah that's great advice for any business owner that first time is is difficult and I like to say like think about the dentist think about the surgeon like the first time no matter how much training they've had when that first surgery on their own that first 
I, I don't know, you know, putting braces on whatever it is that like they're uncomfortable as well, but they took the step and now 20,000, you know, times later, it's like, yeah, this is a breeze. The same thing goes for spray tanning or makeup, whatever it is, right. You have to take that first step. Like I said, that's usually the hardest one. So you mentioned CBD. So what products do you use? So I use, um, all my additives are Sholi. Mm-hmm. I love their CBD additive. I think it's great. I've had such good feedback about it. Um, but all of my tans are unfiltered. I'm obsessed with their solutions. And I know I started out with Sholi solutions and just found that in my climate, the aloe base just didn't work out very well. It's so important to try as many as you can, mm-hmm. especially in your different climates. Cause you can ask people all day long, like, what do you use? Like, I want to use that too, but you could be living in Washington state and me here in Tennessee, we have to use totally different things. Right. So unfiltered has been great for my business. Um, too good for my business sometimes because I feel like they last too long. And then clients are like, okay, I have to cancel my two week appointment because I still have a spray tan three weeks later. Um, but I, yeah, I love the combination of Sholi and unfiltered together. Right. Yeah. Unfiltered is great products. Obviously Sholi as well. Uh, I know both of them pretty well. Sholi obviously much better, but uh, but both great products. I hear one. I've I've seen. I've tried unfiltered, but I've heard great things about all this stuff they've had out now. So it is a great product. The um, I like what you said, and like I said, probably my least favorite question I see in the Facebook groups is what's the best product? Because like you said, it's vastly different. I remember being a Sholi when all they had was the aloe base. That the people in Florida, you know, these deep hum- south humidity, you know, high humid clients uh, and climates is very hard for that aloe because it is so tacky. Um, obviously, they have other products now more variations so there might be some uh, differences there I don't personally know that but um, I think like you said you got to try some stuff and find what works for you and for your clients obviously and just stick with that yes yes I have definitely been the um, victim of like switching it up all the time like buying like so much solution just to absolutely hate it or just to absolutely like yeah I definitely have FOMO. So when I see someone that's like, oh my God, I had such a great tan with this product. I'm like, okay, I have to go online and buy that one. <laughs> and then I, I just realized I can't keep doing that because it is so hard. But one piece of advice that I wish that I had when I first started out was buying samples of like everything and just see which one sticks best for you, which one is easier for you to work with. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I love what you said about the FOMO thing, because I used to, I used to, I don't get as active in the groups anymore. I used to always tell people rather than, at least in my opinion, rather than wait, not wasting, spending the time, the money on trying a new product. If what you have is working, clients are happy, take that money and spend it, learn some new marketing, go out, connect, take people to dinner, whatever it is, right? Do spend some money on a website or SEO or paid ads, whatever you want to do, but invest that somewhere that's going to bring an ROI for your business because you're clients probably don't know or care about what product to use. They just care what the, what it looks like. No, exactly. And like when I, um, so I go home every often back home to Indiana and I'll bring my spray tan equipment and spray tan family members. And I, um, used Sholi before, which is great for Indiana. Sholi is amazing. But then I told them, I was like, yeah, I have a new product. And they're like, I honestly didn't notice a difference with this new product so that's so true like they don't care about that but what they do care about is that you're like getting continuing education you're working on your craft you're working on all these things so I do have to kind of like cut myself back on the FOMO but I would be lying if I told you that there wasn't like a whole box of brand new solutions 
right next to me right now. <laughs> like, so. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Everybody has their weakness. <laughs> so we know Mally's <laughs> new solutions. I uh, know. Well, well, Mally, uh, before I ask the last question, I want to say thank you for coming on. It was such a pleasure to chat with you. Obviously, we spoke briefly the other day, but to learn more about you and your story, I love to hear what you're doing. I'm glad to hear it's going so well. Excited to hear how it how it continues to progress for you. I uh, will definitely keep in touch. So thank you so much for sharing your story. If somebody has a question or wants to reach out to you, I think the the plus size thing is something wonderful and beautiful that you're doing. And it's great to be more inclusive for everyone. Um, and I love to hear that, it's, you know, in the industry, the beauty industry, I think sometimes it's challenging. Um, but things I think are changing and progressing in the right way. So if people have questions for you, want to reach out to you, um, you know, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, just reach out to me on Instagram. It's at Mally Harrington Beauty. I love answering questions. I love helping with whatever I can. And I'm always here. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll, I'll make sure to uh, link that below the show notes as well. But Mally Harrington Beauty um, on Instagram for sure. And the last question I have, I love to ask is if you could write a letter to yourself when you were just starting out, what would you say? Oh, gosh. Um, I think I would probably tell myself that mistakes are what help you learn more as cheesy as that sounds and that even when you've you've hit this point where you feel like you're pretty successful and you're good at what you do you're still going to make mistakes and you're still going to have things come up that throw you for a loop but that's what brings you to the growth that's what gets you to where you want to go um and messing up a spray tan here and there is really going to help you just be better at the next one yeah. Yeah. Cliches are, are wonderful because they're true, right? We learn yeah. more from our failures than from our successes because you just, you don't really grow from success, right? It feels good. Failure feels bad, but you also learn more from that. So that's, that's great. I think it's beautiful to hear. I think that everybody can relate to that. That's been in business for themselves. They learn much more from their failures. You're going to have, like Mally said, you're going to have those mistakes. No matter if you've been in the industry for three months, three years, 10 years, 15 years, it doesn't matter. You're going to have that one client that it won't work on, that the solution runs on, that they have psoriasis, that whatever the situation is, um, but that's the best way to learn. You got to do it. You got to take action and make it happen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yeah, definitely, Mally. Well, thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure. I appreciate your time on this uh, beautiful Friday. I hope you have a wonderful day and happy tanning. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye-bye.